0: This is part seven of The Facebook Files, an ongoing series from The Journal. We're examining internal Facebook documents to understand how the company operates and affects the world. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, be sure to check them out. They're in your feed. — Members of the subcommittee, thank you for the opportunity to testify. — In 2020, Mark Zuckerberg testified in front of Congress. During the hearing, he touted Facebook's use of artificial intelligence to police the platform. He said Facebook's AI was doing a good job of taking down bad content that breaks the company's rules, like hate speech. In terms of fighting against hate speech, we've built AI systems uh, and, as I mentioned, have tens of thousands of people working on safety and security with the goal of getting this stuff down uh, before people even see it. And Zuckerberg put a number on how effective those AI systems were. Right now, we're able to proactively identify 89% of the hate speech that we take down before I think it's even even seen by other people. So, you know, I, I want to do better than 89%. I'd like to get that to, to
1: 99%. This is a really important statistic because it shows that the company is, you know, taking the bull by the horns and really getting deep and preventing the perpetuation of hate speech across the platform.
0: That's our colleague Deepa Sitharaman. She's part of the team reporting on the Facebook files. But while going through Facebook's internal documents, Deepa found another statistic, one that was very different from the 89% figure Zuckerberg mentioned in front of Congress.
1: I'm sitting here and I'm reading this document. The title is Demoting on Integrity Signals is Not Enough. And, you know, who knows what this is going to say. It's written by this very well-respected engineer, longtime guy at Facebook, Great reputation internally. There's this line in the document that kind of stops me at my tracks, and I'll read it to you. According to the best estimates I have seen, we only take action against approximately 2% of the hate speech on the platform. 2%.
0: Only 2% of hate speech is taken down.
1: That's what this document seems to be saying. And this data point really startled me not just because it's so low, but because it's so different than the numbers that the company publicly touts.
0: What the documents show is that the reason the AI only removes a fraction of the content that breaks Facebook's rules is because the AI doesn't work very well.
1: What the documents show is that the technology isn't there to do what Facebook is asking it to do.
0: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. This is The Facebook Files, Part 7. Coming up on the show, how Facebook went all in on artificial intelligence, and why, years later, the technology is still falling short.
1: This episode is brought to you by Canva. When your work looks good, you look good. So create all the stunning presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos you need with Canva. Start with one of the designer-made templates or jump ahead with the power of AI. It's a real time saver and anybody can use it. Whatever department you work in, whatever you need, Canva will help you get it done and make it look fantastic. Start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more.
0: Facebook has always tried to have a hands-off approach to speech on its platform, but the company does try to take down content that breaks its rules. Historically, Facebook did this mostly through teams of human content moderators who would review posts flagged by users and make a decision about it. But in 2019, Facebook pivoted. It decided to start relying more heavily on artificial intelligence for most of its content moderation.
1: They want to effectively shift more of the workload to software rather than individual humans.
0: Why does Facebook think that AI would be a better option for moderating content than humans?
1: Well, in theory, it can do more. These systems can look through many billions more pieces of content. They can do it more quickly. They can do it with, theoretically, a little bit more consistency. Once you've developed that infrastructure, you have a way of rapidly looking at a lot of different pieces of content at the same time in a way that a human simply cannot do.
0: It sounds like to use Silicon Valley parlance, it's scalable.
1: Yeah, you can scale.
0: Another advantage of AI is that it's a lot cheaper than humans. Human moderation is very expensive. Deepa saw one document that laid this out.
1: So this was another pretty extraordinary document The title is Cost Control, A Hate Speech Exploration. I find this first paragraph pretty telling and very interesting. So, over the past several years, Facebook has dramatically increased the amount of money we spend on content moderation overall. Within our budget, hate speech is clearly the most
0: expensive problem. Hate speech was the company's most expensive problem— Because at the time, in 2019, Facebook was primarily relying on humans to moderate the platform. And paying those people was costing Facebook a lot of money.
1: Facebook was spending about $2 million a week on hate speech moderation, or a little over $100 million a year. The documents also said that 75% of those costs came from Facebook hiring human reviewers to look at user reports, So these are reports that people make when they see something on Facebook that they don't like, and then they flag it to the company.
0: And if Facebook kept using humans, it was only going to get more expensive. Because it needed to hire a lot more people to keep up with the platform's growth.
1: Facebook is global. Facebook is everywhere. And so this document is talking about how expensive it is to bridge the gap between what Facebook does today and what it needs to do
0: in the future. Facebook's conclusion was that human moderation was untenable. But rather than just double down on AI, the company also decided to cut spending on human moderators. And not only that, but the company also made it harder for users to report content that a human moderator would then need to review. Internally, Facebook called this thoughtful friction. Thoughtful friction. Basically, Facebook was adding hoops that users had to jump through in order to report things like hate speech.
1: Facebook was adding this friction because a lot of user reports around hate speech are not actually about hate speech. They are things people don't like, or they're bullying, or they fit some other category of content. And so Facebook is sort of struggling with what do we do with this volume of spurious reports is what they call them in the document. And so one idea was to make it harder to file these complaints. And the idea there is that would cut back on some of the garbage that they get every day.
0: Later, the documents show that some employees raised concerns about thoughtful friction.
1: They say, and I quote, we may have moved the needle too far, saying that the steps that they took may have discouraged users from reporting hate speech, legitimate hate speech at all.
0: A Facebook spokesman said that the goal of thoughtful friction was to make the content moderation process more efficient, but he did say that some of the additional friction had later been rolled back. The spokesman also said that while Facebook did shift spending away from human moderators, the amount of money that the company spends on content moderation overall didn't change.
1: What Facebook says it did is it took a lot of those human reviewers, so people who were looking at these user complaints, and redirected them to do tasks that would help Facebook's AI systems understand what's happening on the platform and then
0: do something about it. But why couldn't Facebook just spend more and invest in AI and humans?
1: Part of the reason why the company decides to shift resources as opposed to just adding on more, when we talk to former employees and people who used to work in this area, it's partly because they want to concentrate minds. They want to get everybody on the same page and understanding what the goal is. And so they're shifting the spending to artificial intelligence because that's what the company believes the future looks like.
0: So after doing all this, after cutting back on human moderators and changing its content reporting process, Facebook really needed its AI to step in and fill that gap. And to hear Facebook executives tell it, it sounded like the AI was working. Over the past few years, in earnings calls and senate hearings and keynote speeches, the company's executives have been effusive about how good this AI system is. One of the areas that I think has routinely outperformed our expectations is progress on AI. This new system does something that no automated system could do before.
1: We are now using artificial intelligence machine learning to get better at identifying new content that we haven't seen before.
0: It can look at the entirety of a piece of content, including images, video, text, and comments in multiple languages, and evaluate it against multiple types of policy violations. But internally, many of the company's engineers were a lot less optimistic about what Facebook's artificial intelligence could do.
1: The company is really betting on this technology, and they're betting on the fact that this technology will mature enough to be able to achieve what Facebook needs it to achieve. But internally, there are all these different questions about the readiness of AI.
0: Coming up, the cracks in Facebook's AI. This episode is brought to you by C3 AI. C3 Generative AI enables rapid access to secure, traceable, hallucination-free insights from enterprise systems, all while using any LLM, helping enterprises turn the invisible into
1: the obvious. Learn more at C3.ai.
0: When Facebook decided to double down on AI to moderate its platform, the decision meant that it was going to be asking a lot of its technology.
1: What you kind of see the company struggling with in these documents is, you know, that they're asking their AI systems to find a lot of nuance and to follow these rules that are really finely, thinly drawn.
0: I imagine it must be difficult to train a computer to identify satire versus hate speech or identify when someone is criticizing racism or actually being racist.
1: Exactly. And that's a nuance and a distinction that the company publicly says is important to draw, but now it needs its software to push it in that direction. And that's harder.
0: What the company needed was an artificial intelligence system that wasn't just smart, but could also perceive subtleties. A system that could not only identify pornography, graphic violence, and criminal activity, but also understand the difference between, say, a topless man, which is allowed, and a topless woman, which is banned. In training artificial intelligence to do things like that turned out to be extremely difficult.
1: Which is something that's explained in this other pretty extraordinary document, which has an honestly impenetrable title of X-Ray OC 2019-A clip-based model. Your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea what that means.
0: (laughs) The document gave a good example of how much the company's AI system struggled to even get the most basic stuff right. It described how engineers tried to make the software recognize videos of things like car crashes and cockfights, which, if they're gory enough, are both banned on Facebook. To the engineer's surprise, the software couldn't tell those things apart.
1: Sometimes the system tags a car crash as a cockfight, and sometimes it tags a cockfight as a car crash. And no one has any idea why the system, the AI tools, are confusing car crashes with cockfights. Hmm. I mean, these are distinctly different things to you and I, but to a computer, they share a lot of the same characteristics,
0: This inability to distinguish between something so basic, a car crash and a cockfight, is a big problem. Because remember, what the engineers need this technology to do is much more nuanced. Take cockfighting videos as an example.
1: Mild cockfights where the birds walk away somewhat uninjured, fine. But those in which a bird is seriously injured and or dead are banned. So this is a system that can't tell the difference right now yet between cockfights and car crashes. And they're adding a layer of complication, which is mild cockfights, okay, deadly cockfights, bad. And now the system is trying to tell the difference between that. You know, teaching the AI to flag a severely injured bird and ignored a only mildly injured bird, this is really difficult.
0: And it wasn't just cockfights. The artificial intelligence also couldn't distinguish between things like video games and real-life shootings.
1: There's just a lot of overlapping confusion. You know, there are video games and paintball fights, and suddenly the AI is struggling to see the difference between a paintball fight and a murderer shooting people. In one instance, there's a video that the AI labeled as a first-person shooting, but it's actually just somebody filming a car wash.
0: Figuring out how to determine whether a video is an actual shooting isn't a hypothetical problem. Shooters have, in fact, live-streamed themselves killing other people on Facebook. If the AI still really struggles, why not give it an easier task, like just banning all cockfights or anything that happens to look like a shooting and then letting a human take a look at it and check if it's right?
1: When we talk to former employees about this, what they say all the time is that The company's biggest value is expression. It believes in free expression and it believes that its content moderation policies should be used like a scalpel. It should be really surgical and really specific and narrow to allow for the broadest range of expression. And that is, you know, I guess that's understandable. That's part of what makes that company so successful. The fact that people can express themselves in a whole variety of ways, both good and bad. But it is very difficult for artificial intelligence to execute on something like that. It's still nascent. And you know, these are some of the greatest technical minds in the world, and they are struggling to get these models to push forward but the AI just
0: can't do it. Facebook's head of integrity, Guy Rosen, told Deepa that the documents she reviewed were outdated, but that they did inform the company's content moderation strategy. If the AI is still struggling this much, where does that 89% figure come from that Zuckerberg cited in that congressional hearing that sounds so good?
1: So I think that there's stats that are talking about completely different things, right? So one, the proactive detection rate that they're talking about, they're saying if you look at all the hate speech that we take down, most of it is taken down proactively before anybody reports it. So another way of looking at it is that of the 2% of hate speech that Facebook takes down, a gigantic portion is done through Facebook's internal systems, but they're still only taking down a sliver of the overall hate speech on the platform. We're talking low single digits.
0: So what you're saying is that of all the hate speech that's on Facebook, the company's AI is only taking down 2% of it. And of that 2%, of what is being taken down, 89% is coming down proactively before anybody sees it. Exactly. Another document Deeper reviewed, which was written earlier this year, suggests that the amount of hate speech Facebook catches has moved up from 2% to somewhere between 3 and 5%. When we asked Facebook about this, the company said the 2% or 3 to 5% figure was the wrong figure to focus on. They said what really matters is how much hate speech there is on the platform overall. And the company says there isn't very much. Only about five posts out of every 10,000 contain hate speech. The company said it also takes other actions to reduce how many people view hate speech, including ranking posts lower in news feeds. And Facebook says its artificial intelligence is getting better all the time. That 89% figure that Zuckerberg mentioned last year is now up to 98%. So where is Facebook now when it comes to content moderation?
1: The company is still leaning a lot on artificial intelligence. And I think as far as they're concerned, this is really the main way forward, given how large the platform is and how much stuff is posted every day, and their overall view that speech should be free with some exceptions. They have to really work to develop these systems in a way that... You know that they can actually execute on the very complicated policies and rules that Facebook has set in place. Right now, there's a big gap, and they're going to have to try to close that gap.
0: It could take a long time for Facebook to close that gap. In the documents, one Facebook engineer wrote that unless there was a major change in AI strategy, it would be, quote, very difficult to improve this beyond 10 to 20% in the short to medium term. Another employee put it more bluntly. In a message to colleagues, as the person was leaving the company's integrity division, which handles content moderation, the employee wrote,
1: AI will not save us. The implicit vision guiding much of integrity is a world where human discourse is overseen by perfect, fair, omniscient robots owned by Mark Zuckerberg. This is clearly a dystopia, but it is also so deeply ingrained, we hardly notice it anymore.
0: This series is part of The Journal Podcast, a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Jeff Horwitz and Justin Sheck for additional reporting in this episode. Your hosts are Kate Linebaugh and me, Ryan Knudsen. The series was produced by Pia Gadkari, Max Green, and Martin Kessler, with production help from Willa Rubin, Annie Minoff, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, and Kayla Stokes. This episode was edited by Katherine Brewer. Special thanks to Beth Blackshire, Colin Campbell, Anthony Galloway, Philana Patterson, Lydia Polgreen, Annie Rose Strasser, Brad Reagan, and Matthew Rose. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner and Nathan Singapak. Our theme music is by So Wiley and remixed by Peter Leonard. Additional music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks also to the whole Journal team. Brendan Klinkenberg, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, and Sarah Platt.